0: Welcome to Spinning Out, I'm your host Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Sam Woodring, previously of Two Inch Astronaut and currently of the band Mr. Goblin. Today we talked about Nina Nastasia's album The Blackened Air, which was released in 2002 on Touch and Go Records. To be completely honest, I wasn't familiar with Nina or this album, so if you need to take a second and check out a couple tracks or check out the record i'll be here waiting just pause come back to us and we'll talk about the record with sam so i'd also recommend checking out mr goblin's album is path warm it was released last year on exploding sound records i first became aware of sam from his previous band two inch astronaut and their album foul brood i'm a big fan of that band for comparison's sake, I'd say if you like like Shudder to Think or Discord Records bands of that era, you'd probably like 2 Inch Astronaut and you should like Mr Goblin as well. So on that note, let's talk to Sam. I've
1: Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out? Or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup, but if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. At checkout, just enter discount code SPINNINGOUT for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy.
2: I heard of her first um, through this. It was actually a blog that um, my friend Sebastian uh, used to do. He's based in or was based in Boston, called New Artillery, um, and he would make these like year-end lists. He was a really great writer, and um, it was a really fantastic um, blog. And back in the blog era, I guess, yeah. and uh, and I found a lot of music that I that I really uh, that really stuck with me through that website. Um, I encourage anyone to check it out. It's still there. I don't think he updates it as frequently, but... um, And uh, yeah, so she was on like a few of the year-end lists and I was just like intrigued by the little blurbs and I went and checked it out. And um, it was like a really slow grower for me, like all her stuff. but, um, But I would say she's, you know, probably my favorite songwriter. I mean, I really grew to love this album in particular, but really all of her. Stuff she's got a really pretty big catalog um, over the years and not really putting as much stuff out recently but
0: um. yeah I noticed that I didn't see um, a lot of like movement into yeah the present Um, I also you know was kind of like thinking uh, I was listening to it and my spouse was kind of mentioning that uh, she felt like she had kind of like heard her on in like I don't know commercials or shows like have you, do you feel like this is like a, almost like a personal thing that you know, or do you run across a lot of other people that like Nina as well?
2: It's, it's funny, cause it's like, it was, I think, just kind of before my time enough that I don't really have a sense of like how popular or not popular she was. I think that she was, there are, I know of a few like, um, I think it's the Hills Have Eyes remake.
0: Okay.
2: Um, speaking of horror, we were talking about it earlier, um, that uh, the credits, during the credits, Ugly Face, by, like on this album plays. Um, some movie like that. It may have been like a sequel or something, but um, so I, I think she's like, you know, was like notable in a way. I would, if I had to guess, I mean, I really, I don't know, I, it's hard to have a sense of it. Um, but I do, I, I think I, I come across a fair amount of people who are familiar with her or like, um, you know, have at least kind of like a peripheral uh, knowledge of who she is or, or, you know, she's on drag city, I guess. Um, um, I, she
0: might, she might've been on this record. She's on touch and go. I mean, so, I mean, it's not like with looking at like any of the credentials and things that, that uh, she's done. It's definitely not like obscure in a way that it's like, we're not digging like crazy hard to like find this, but, It seems like with the things that that she's associated with, being that it's like uh, produced by Steve Albini and on Touch and Go Records, and just generally given the time frame, I am like, this should be a name that I know more. Um, And I asked a friend of mine that owns a local record store, Lunchbox Records. I was like, do you know anything about Nina Nastasia? And his answer was just like, yeah, a little bit. And, (laughs) And I'm like all right you know um so it's you know i i did research and you know little things would pop up and even like looking on like youtube for videos there's not like a whole lot of live videos but if you watch like i don't know if you watch like the uh john peel kind of sessions there's like a small uh documentary i guess you could almost say uh with her i don't know if you've seen that
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah. And it um, I, I believe the documentary, it seems like it was made after John Peel passed away because it has uh, John Peel's wife and it doesn't like have anything new with John Peel. Um, but he seems to be like a big fixture of kind of like why I guess Nina Nastasia is is known for a reason. Right. It was like that alphabetical thing, right? They go
2: through it's like N is for Nina Nastasia and they
0: talk
2: yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, that was cool.
0: Yeah, and I think what they're doing in that series is they were just going through um, his, like, collection or some of his shows, so I would assume that's what the kind of alphabetical index for the John Peel documentary sessions, each one's probably, like, less than 10 minutes. Uh, I mean, it was really well put together, but kind of, like, let me see, like, who this person is, because there's not, like, a crazy amount out there uh, about (laughs) her. Uh, but what I did feel and i don 't don't know if i 'm like kind of reaching for it uh being that the time frame that it came out i 'm not sure like if this was something that you found before like Too Much astronaut or like after if it, what kind of direct influence it might have on you or if it 's kind of a secondary thing almost like you heard it and then you 're like it already fell into things that you like Um, yeah, I think I heard it for the first
2: time at the pretty, like, early on in Too Much Astronaut, and I I always liked it, but it, like, didn't, you know, I I don't think I was as wild about it then as I am now. Um, Like I said, it kind of grew on me, um, bit by bit over the years, um, so I don't know that, I I don't think that it had as much of a direct bearing on my stuff in, in that band, um probably more so in the mr goblin stuff
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i could see that
2: yeah and it's i I guess it's kind of maybe not like directly but it's kind of hard to describe like the kind of influence that yeah
0: yeah i mean i understand that feeling sometimes it's like if someone will tell me like what any of my bands sound like you know then like my thought is kind of like, well, there's a whole lot of other stuff that I'm ripping off that you're not giving me credit for. (laughs) You know, it's kind of jokingly, but it's like, you know, it's like sometimes they will be like, Oh, you all sound like dinosaur junior or whatever. And I'm like, well, you're really missing a lot of things that we clearly ripped off. You know, uh, there's tons of neurosis songs that, you know, I'm (laughs) ripping off that you would never know because we don't sound anything like them. Um, So it's a, you know, there's probably a lot of that, but, the reason some of the reason why i bring it up and uh just because your label mates is uh i feel like there's something about the way like rick from pile plays that feels like it especially like as it like on the most recent pile record um i feel like there's ways kind of like that finger picking style that rick does um you know, that's influential that a lot of, I mean, some, some of the Exploding in the Sound roster kind of has, I mean, I guess like it's, you know, we're really talking about friend groups and we're talking about uh, probably like Dan's personal taste in terms of Exploding in Sound, but, um, but you kind of mentioned something at the beginning where you were talking about that you liked a specific blog in the Boston area. So it kind of tied it to that in my theory um, so, so I don't know if that's, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of reaching a lot for that too, but um, I don't know if even that sound in Boston that, you know, kind of influence what you all do as a band to tie it back together. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I could definitely see, you know, some,
2: some kind of commonalities there with her, her kind of finger picking style and the kind of dusty, like Cormac McCarthy vibes of like, this album, in particular, with all the, you know, wacky like string stuff and um, kind of like hordes of bees, yeah, lots of sounds and weird shit like that. Um, it's a bit like maybe, you know, kind of folksy and also kind of out there in the way that Pile can be as well. I think like, you know, just like downright kind of weird and also earthy, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's, you know, yeah, maybe kind of like a through line there. Um, but I think also, like, there's like a weird, she kind of, and again, yeah, like you said, there's there's really not a whole lot out there about her, so it's kind of hard to know. But she, I get the sense that she kind of traffics, traffic, or traffics in a scene that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with, like, what she does, you know what I mean? Like, Like she's produced by Steve Albini and she's on touch and go with all these like loud post-punk bands and it's like a completely different world kind of. So it's kind of weird that she's she's like the you know uh, one of few kind of like because it's also I mean like if you if you I feel like if you if it was presented in a different way you would be like oh this is just like a person who plays in a coffee house and makes this like really wonderful like pleasant music um but then it's also kind of brutal sometimes and like almost heavy like on this album especially um also in the way that Kyle could be I guess so I can yeah
0: I can see that yeah yeah I mean that's that's like something I was thinking of um like wh- it, it was just simply as like where do you put this <laughs> it's like like well, who was this for like I mean I like it and I and when I'm personally listening to something I don't necessarily like care where it fits in, but like for the purpose of kind of investigating it more, it kind of made me think like, who like what type of person was into this, or was this like a big success for touch and go at the time? Or, you know, I, I think these like these are all questions that I don't think we really have, you know, kind of answers for. But um it also, you know, if you're mentioning like you you believe you heard it like in A horror movie at the time whatever it might have been you know there was some success some placement you know at the time Um, there's also like the when we use words like dusty because that's like one i would think to use too but i wonder like sometimes like what we mean or what was going on in like 2002 when we look back that makes us think to even like use terms like that or even like the term folk baroque you know, it's like, what does that mean? You know, like, uh, you know, long kind of question, non-question there.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's just weird because I was alive during that time, as far as I can tell, but I was, you know, I wish I was kind of in the loop in the way that I maybe kind of am now that where I could tell what was going on is that because it seems to me that 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 record or you know the majority of her stuff would have been pretty out of boat for any kind of you know label like that or scene like that or or you know for something to be produced by Steve Albini just seems like a you know kind of like a left field thing um
0: yeah I mean I feel like there's times and uh I'm not like I mean, I guess I do know a decent amount about Steve Albini, but it's like if we went into like his discography, I don't know how long I could really talk about it. But from my recollection, there are certain times where I feel like there'll be interviews that it's like Steve Albini kind of championed us. And it's like, it never seems to be like a straight line. Like it's like, they're not like all bands that's like sound like things he's done. Uh, You know, so it's, I guess he he just simply liked it but it's you know it almost just seemed like from the documentary it was we got money together and decided to go to steve albini and we did it you know and then it was like steve albini sent it to touch and go which that that connection doesn't seem so strange to me like i could see that he recorded something and then told them this is good and then they go this is good i agree and then just put it out like it might not have been too much of a conversation there but yeah it does uh, the long way to kind of just say like it does feel like an anomaly even for the time
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and it is and right and he was you know speaking of like John Peel was a big fan Steve Albini I guess was a really big fan particularly of uh her first record which he also did um but there's like some I don't know if you came across that like was his, that Dogs yeah yeah him talking about that and how it's like one of the favorite records he's ever done yeah um, and I'm not, I mean, really not the biggest fan of his music or his production really, but I think he like killed it with all of her records. I mean, it's like, they that, they sound gorgeous. Um, and it really like the, the strings and everything, um, really beautiful.
0: Production. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that Steve Albini has done that I'm a, I'm a big fan of, but I've never taken him as kind of, like I've met a lot of people throughout my life that are like, just disciples of steve albini right and you know it's like i'm like well you know they'll kind of say things like i don't know if he's produced a bad record you know like not even necessarily if they like the record or not and i'm like i don't know like there's been some records that i'm like who recorded this and you know and then i'm like oh, yeah. steve albini like it's because he has the approach of like kind of capture things as they are um, right used to be his thing like it's like sometimes that doesn't work out like you know I, I don't want to like point to certain things because one of them that I'm thinking of specifically is like kind of in our extended kind of friend group um, so, the beans <laughs> talking about but, Chevelle the first Chevelle album yeah yeah talking about yeah Chevelle um yeah well, I'm friends with Chevelle um but oh. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean he he like has like a kind of spotty record in that in that regard And just that like and i i don't think he would really dispute what i'm saying because i think it's like whatever band sound like he his whole thing is like he wants to capture someone exactly the way they sound and this record is a big proof of that and is a big success of that like i right. think this is something that benefited from that way like the you know i think it was in regards to this record or it could have been any of them because it doesn't seem like the approach was much different um like it seems like whatever they did for dogs even one of the songs from dogs ends up being on this one and right yeah last one yeah and i i didn't listen to dogs but i assume you've spent enough time with any of the other records and could probably validate that
2: yeah it's it's maybe this record is definitely more like orchestrated and, and more fleshed out. There's there's a lot more going on um, than Dogs is is pretty sparse and there's, um, you know, maybe only like four or five, six things going on per song. Um, and it was interesting because you don't hear much of his stuff that's like that either, right? Like you said, he he's all about capturing things as they are or whatever and um and this is certainly you know this the black and is still still very much that way but there's there's a lot of overdubbing it seems like there's a lot of you know accordion and like just kind of wild stuff Um,
0: yeah they made it out to almost like people were in like a kind of like a semicircle or in a room together and I, i i wonder how much of that is actually true i mean there there had to have been like overdubbing um on this album you know <laughs>
2: yeah yeah i've read that too i was like wow really like it's all just i don't know it seems yeah
0: uh, well it made me think of uh the way i thought that it was approached is uh you know i, I don't know if uh, some of the, some of the towns van zant records would be like um he would play and then he would just leave and do whatever Towns Van Zandt was going to do. And then the labels would just add a bunch of stuff. So I assume that that means like Towns Van Zandt would, you know, sing and play guitar and then go somewhere. And then they had to kind of figure out whatever timing or everything was, you know, not too intense to do for his type of music, but they would add drums or like kind of seventies esque sounds, you know, and all that stuff, it's like, but he had nothing to do with it. it well, he wasn't there when they did that. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is, like, when I was listening to it, it made me kind of think of that. Like, I thought, potentially, she played the way she was going to play. She sang it live, essentially. And then they just brought in things. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it feels. Yeah, it could be. I don't know.
2: I mean, I I don't, like you said, also, there's a sort of limited like, live documentation, so I don't know how much of that, and you can hear, like, you know, versions of these songs that she does just kind of bare-bones acoustic um, versions of, and, and it's, it's it's definitely, it feels very different than, like, the product on this record, which is, like, super, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, kind of, overdubbing and, and um, you know, external stuff going on. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I wasn't able to, like you were saying, I wasn't able to really find much live things and any of the things that were live were still really like, I, I'm not convinced that they were shows. <laughs> it's like, it's like there were, they're almost like in studio sessions. Like um, she, it looks like she's collaborated a lot with uh, I think Jim White. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a video of like her playing a song and him playing drums. And then it kind of, even parts of it, you know, kind of like getting, I don't don't want to like just easily use the term, like, it was like almost like a jazzy kind of, like he just kind of started going wherever and she would follow. Um, So it was like just different interpretations, but there wasn't like a crowd that it panned to or anything. So I have no clue. It could have just been someone's, you know, like art space that they were doing this, you know?
2: Yeah, there are a couple, there's that one like incredible, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's just like they're set up in like a living room and there's a lot of weird taxidermy on the wall and they do this song called Cry Cry Baby. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a really slow pan across this room where they're all playing. Um, And it seemed, yeah, right. Not a show, but like some kind of, you know, takeaway video or something.
0: Um, It was a a few years uh, past this, but I feel like in like, I feel like I remember around like 2000 and we'll say like seven and eight. um, There were more shows that I remember, like essentially you would show a show up at almost like a art studio and there would be like people would sit down or kind of just do whatever and then people would play like child's instruments. You know, like, like, I don't, I don't see that as much anymore, but there seem to be like touring bands that would do these things where it's like, they were almost like art installations more than like a show. And it seems like uh, somehow whatever scene that Nina existed in, like that was an extension of a few years later to me. And I don't know if you experienced a scene, anything like that or went to shows like that, um, in the past.
2: Yeah, I definitely, in like Baltimore, in the like, you know, peak of the kind of like Wham City, Van Deakin era, I was like living in Baltimore at that time. Um, And they did a lot of that, like, all right, everybody is gonna participate. We're gonna hand everyone a kazoo and you're gonna like do the shit. It was like cute, but not like didn't end up being musical I guess in the
0: way that like her stuff is I think Um, no definitely not like and it's like that feels like it's like like this this album's amazing like it's like you know so any of that it sounds like I'm being condescending to Nina and but but you know it's like I I don't know like I guess it's it's still kind of grasping like what did this exist in because even the things I I you know it, it almost felt like more of like an art installation like it's like I could look at paintings that you know someone did oh Nina and Jim White are gonna play and it's like somebody donated money for them to play but no one really paid to go to the show and everyone's drinking wine um, and we're all sitting on like couches but this is probably all a fire hazard is what you know it feels like (laughs) like it's that's that's like how i remember like around that time there was a lot of that then there might even be like you had more of the potential to be like opening for a puppet show right (laughs) definitely feels
2: like yeah that era especially in baltimore for whatever reason
0: yeah charlotte had kind of the same thing and we also i feel like at the time like we had um i'm trying to think I think Nat Baldwin is that someone from Baldwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and it, it's like he's a he's a well he's a good example of that but also good in the sense of like it's good you know it's right. like you right. know so it's like it's the best example of that you can get that isn't just people playing kazoos and you know you screaming or something you know but it's like, but it's like Nat Baldwin probably has like hundreds of stories of, you know, them having to open for someone just screaming or something, or you know, like painting while throwing glitter on themselves, you know. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm just taking a second because your uh, screen froze up. Oh, but
2: you good?
0: yeah, I, I, it almost felt like you were just like kind of blankly staring at me, <laughs> so it was like a little unnerving, but. Might have
2: been um, weird today it might might
0: cut out no i think i think you're good i probably actually just rolled with it um but my i'm not sure the point i'm making it just kind of feels like of a time that i'm like could something like this like exist again i i feel like traces of it in things like uh, mount erie um you know it's like uh but when you look at i don't know 2002 just feels like it was like a time that didn't actually exist You know, like it's like i witnessed it and i was there in some capacity but it's like did we really look like that like it's like looking back at videos and it's like i don't know what was going on in the world you know (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if there's any way that you have a comment about that at all because it's not a question once again
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Right, I mean I I started, you know, going to shows and and all that kind of stuff probably slightly later. But um but I can see how it feels like that kind of a like everybody grabs something and like it's like a communal, you know, uh like I think of the opening song um like the first song on the record and it it does, you know, it's got that kind of like we're at a fucking saloon and everyone's like blowing on their harmonica or whatever
0: you know uh, yeah yeah it, it feels like it kind of like starts falling into place with with her uh with the beginning of the record like it's yeah you know, it, yeah it really feels like it's like it's almost like she starts playing guitar and then everyone there is the type of musician that kind of like holds their finger up to the wind and can figure out what key everything is you know and right. then they just play it along is what it feels like you know it's like oh this is an e all right i'll just kind of play stand-up bass there it's like
2: yeah kind of yeah. like a brass deal where everybody just kind of like knows all the songs and stuff.
0: yes like, and i i don't know how people get to that point <laughs> um you know and that's that's kind of a different conversation you know i you know i've never been in a situation where i feel like someone's playing a song and then I can figure out just the rest of it by hearing it you know so but I don't know well I feel like bass can lead so I mean I'm primarily a bass player so you know but not not me you know I've never been in that situation and felt comfortable you know with it
2: yeah I'm not I'm pretty far removed from I guess when I was younger I, I played like jazz and you know um I mean, when I say younger, I mean like in high school and leading up to college. I guess I was um, more heavily. I would, you know, do like jazz gigs or whatever, where you like you know the chart and you kind of, kind of are. I was like maybe verging on being able to do that at some point, and then I was like, nah, fuck this, and I just completely lost all ability to. You know, have that kind of musical instinct. If you, I don't know, I feel like it takes like a. That's kind of like a. Like a music student, kind of a ability. Maybe that's not entirely true. or not always. Yeah, have. I
0: mean, I, I could see that. I mean, I think like if you're kind of, for some reason, the term I want to use is you don't use it, you'll lose it. But that's not, that's not the term you would use for this. No, uh, that, that's that's I mean, about it, right. It's I mean, it's accurate. I tried to you know? play
2: like fucking. I've got rhythm the other day, and I was like, I don't remember how to do this shit. Like, you know. It's like,
0: yeah i mean i've always been someone that's or at least when i was kind of starting to more like be a songwriter in my bands it was i'll write a song and then that way everyone has to play off of me and then they won't really know that i don't really know how to do anything (laughs) so it's like that's where songwriting came from me you know it was you know i i have friends that just i feel like they hear a song and they know how to play a green day cover just from hearing it you know (laughs) And, but there is a, there is a lot to kind of bring it back to this record. The way people play on this record, it does feel like in in the best way possible. It's like, this could have been the first time some of these people heard these songs.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it does have kind of like a spontaneity. She has amazing musicians playing with her always. You mentioned Jim White, like, um, I don't know if you've checked out the, they, they did two albums that are just the two of them and really, really like bare bones just her playing guitar and singing and I think live I mean it sounds live and him playing drums and it is that kind of like jazzy weird drum style but like with her songs it's really interesting like presentation for her stuff because it's still like you know pretty straightforward like eerie folk stuff but with this like crazy drumming and also uh, I think Steve Albini did those records as well but yeah she's got she's surrounded by
0: yeah I mean sometimes it's like sometimes I don't know if something's truly live or if they kind of like add that effect to kind of give it like a room buzz you know and so um but yeah I mean I feel like this would be one that's like truly live you know um but there's there was even I don't know if you saw the show uh well you were mentioning like it playing at the end of a horror movie but it got me thinking that I can envision some of these songs playing like on the end credits uh, of that show Carnival that was on HBO. Oh, (laughs) okay. Early 2000s. Like it's, you know, it's like it's, this would fit if something was themed around like a circus.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
0: But that, that also sounds like it would sound like, It's by that description. It sounds like it should sound like the doors or whatever someone would say, but I mean, it doesn't, but you know, it's like, I think like if it were like an emotional moment on the end of like a early 2000s HBO show, um, you know, I could see it playing. I don't know what, I just don't know what people were doing in the early 2000s that, you know, like everything looked orange and uh, you know, Things were strange. I think it was like a post 9-11 thing is all I can um, envision. But this was I, this is actually the second interview that I've done that I've mentioned things being like post 9-11. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, sure. but sure. yeah.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, not really like a main point there, just <laughs> – it, it just i keep mentioning it but it just feels so like time and place and i can't like attach it one thing i will mention um it when i was listening to this record the first time through um like spotify just started like playing another record and i mean now unfortunately um it started playing a red house painters record afterwards and you know well now well you know, <laughs> well now we know mark Koslick um but it was like stylistically and uh, unfortunately I had to mention his name and I guess I didn't have to, but um, I was like, I, I, yeah, I could see it being put in the same realm, you know, like, yeah. And I could see, I guess like if we we pivot from that, like I could see songs, Ohio. um, And yeah, I don't know. This like, it's almost like alt country in a way, but it isn't
2: yeah there's like a really weird um i guess it's like there's like a warmth i think to her stuff but uh, it's also like like creepy in a way that i really am drawn to and that's I, i don't really know how to describe it but something about the particular mood that like her stuff creates for me it just feels like perfect and I'm like that's you know it's just like i don't know spot on and the like And I could see the, um, you know, kind of Red House Painters see, you know, kind of comparison. And and then, you know, the same kind of weird, like, mystery to the stuff. Like that song, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Oh, My Stars on on the Black and Dare. It's like, it's like really slow and kind of like plotting and and it's like, what's going on here? And there's all these weird bangs in the background and and, yes, kind of like yeah. bumps and and things like that. And then at the end there's like this weird twist and it's like the the, the lyrics just take this turn. I think she's like incredible lyricists too. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it turns into this whole like, you know, there's like my dad chased him down the driveway. He could have killed him. He wished you'd killed him. And I was like, whoa, and it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, it just like sneaks up on you. She's just like really got away with that kind of like, you know
0: just yeah Yeah, and there's something that it um also makes me think of like uh like gillian welch yeah and in a way and uh i don't know i'm trying to think of another artist uh lucinda williams sorry um you know just like that thing where it's kind of painting really just nina nastassi is an amazing uh lyricist Uh, you're really like feeling like you're getting like a whole story um there like I mentioned like like you would with like a Gillian Welch song or Lucinda Williams um so but but that's at the same time it's not exactly that like I wouldn't comfortably put it with that it's like it never wants to like push itself into one specific thing um you know, it's, it's a little bit more like bare bones than that. And I don't feel like Gillian Walsh a lot of times is like about the harmonies and, you know, like the singing together. Um, But it's Nina, it's almost like, it's almost like, I think we kind of mentioned it, but it's almost like a poetry type thing without, you know, being like too far into itself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Not quite as like, maybe grounded in like tradition as like someone like Gillian Welch. I don't know if that, I don't mean for that to sound.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, You know, and I think there's like, it's like, it's like Gillian Welch and things like that are almost like the base understanding of like Americana. But before like Americana uh, was kind of codified into like its own thing.
2: Right. Like it's,
0: it's like pure original American music that can be I guess like you know almost like a roots rock thing minus the rock part of it so yeah music. but I think traditional is the right term but it it seems so like what does that mean you know to be traditional but I feel like I've heard those terms used you know like I could imagine Nina Stassi being in No Depression uh, but I think even that they would have long paragraphs about its place. Yeah. As we're doing now. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And it is kinda I mean, this record, maybe more than maybe more than all of her other records, is is really kind of all over the place. Like there's some stuff that kind of fits that mold of like the Americana, like like that's all there is. The last song, which was from the dog session, I think, is, you know, maybe more there's like uh male female harmonies and kind of like more straightforward catchy tunes and stuff but then there's stuff like um like that song Ocean which is just like almost like a like a emo song or something you know it's like really slow and like there's this like mournful like i don't know scary cello thing and it's like really like kind of dramatic and you know so there's there's like a lot of different kind of stuff going on and then there's like you know the, the series of like really short songs, which are you know kind of come out of nowhere toward the like back half of the album and they like really
0: you know um, yeah I mean for the record being around like forty i think it's like forty three minutes yeah uh, nothing n- in it, none of the songs really feel too long i mean it has sixteen tracks, so the tracks are really like not much more over like three minutes uh per song, and some even you know a little bit under that um so it, it never feels like it like stays too long. I I'm trying to think what song it is, but there's almost like only one point on the record that just straight up has like a guitar solo on it. I think it's closer till the end to the end of the record. There's
2: there's a sort of a guitar solo on the very last song.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is the last song, but yeah. it's like it's like the most part of the record that feels like it's like going into a rock record.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's more kind of, yeah, some of the stuff on Tox is, like, closer to that kind of. I think, uh, do you know the band Silkworm? Yes. They covered that song, That's All There Is.
0: Okay. Yeah, covered. and, well, yeah, and that, I guess that's kind of, like, the threads I'm kind of thinking about, like, almost, like, tying the two together. I'm like, oh, this is starting to make sense, you know. Um, but I think that was also an interesting thing, potentially, about the time, is that, there were, like, people in bands that seemed to kind of run in similar circles, but didn't feel the need to have their band sound the same, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I don't say that as, like, it's a good thing or a bad thing, but, you know, some sometimes, though, I do wish it would, like, felt more like that, like, it's, like, my friend is in this type of band and we are friends and we want to play shows together because we're friends, but we don't necessarily like, aren't trying to do the same thing, you know? Um, like I, and I don't know if you had this experience like with B or even like now and, you know, Mr. Goblin, um, if you feel like sometimes like when you go on tour, do you feel like now more than used to, uh, people will try and put you with similar artists or what's your experience there?
2: I feel like that happened, I I think, with Two Inch. Um, there was, during that era, it felt to me like there was more of an emphasis on, like, and that wasn't very long ago, so, right? It was like, you know, we broke up in 2017, so it was like just yesterday. But um, yeah. yeah, it felt like there was really this, this kind of, uh, I mean, like, we, you know, we weren't big by any means or anything like that. But I think we got to the point where we were like, you know, we and the bands that we're kind of peers with are looking to maximize our yield, kind of, right. And and it felt like the way to do that was to, like, shoehorn these things together that feel like part of the same package, you know, like, and I think that just, and like, at the beginning, that seemed like a good idea, like, as far as like a... Business scheme or whatever, but then it, like, I think from an audience perspective, you just get bored. I mean, like, you know, I like all the bands that are on our label or were at the time and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like if I had to sit through a bill that was like, you know, two astronaut Krill and say like Cal Marx or somebody like that, then I'd just be like, all right, like, are we good? Like, can we have, you know, it's cool that, that there was this sort of sense of, uh, you know, bills don't have to be like unified in that way, and they can you can have like a, you know, somebody like Nina Nastavia, like a acoustic performer, and then, you know, a louder rock band, and then a, um, you know, somebody else. But it feels more to me now that there's, um, or you know, back when, now before quarantine, where there was live music, um, some of the bills that, that Mr. Goblin was on, were more were more varied and felt like it was like a. You know even a wider range of genres represented and, and different you know kinds of people different kinds of music and and it, it seemed cool that people were making the effort to um you know spice things up in that way like we played with you know hip-hop artists or um you know things like that so
0: yeah and do you feel uh, or well do you well now that no one plays now so um uh, right. but uh would you play I, I think you, you've you played full band with Mr. Goblin right I mean is it always it's not always full band no I mean the record primarily is a solo album and I mean Mr. Goblin like is your project um, I would say I mean you would say as well I assume
2: yeah yeah I mean it's kind of yeah I guess just a vehicle to because it's just I, I'm at the point where it's really hard to you know, do a band, um, I guess, in the way that I would want to. So I just kind of use this as a just umbrella term for any of the stuff that I'm able to create with people who are, you know, kind enough to help me with it. <laughs> um, and, but I did play with a band. Um, I've done a couple tours with, uh, I had like a group in D.C. of, of musicians I'm, I'm good friends with who were really awesome who were, um, you know, kind of like, played with me on a regular basis, and we did a couple
0: tours and things like that, so that was really cool. Yeah, and um, I guess, like, bringing it back to Nina and um uh, one thing also I kind of noticed, I, I usually kind of, like, I, I, maybe it's, it's, it speaks more of, like, I guess, my age or as a, as a musician or anything, but it, it, it was interesting to kind of think that Nina wasn't, like super young when it seemed like she became known in whatever capacity she was like from doing my research like she was born in 1966 so if you put it uh, we'll say like 1999 uh, you know by extensive like the music industry you know she's not a young musician you know a few years later when this record came out so um you know so that that could kind of like answer any questions like what is Nina and Nastasia a up to but even like this record was almost you know it was like 18 years ago um so I so I don't know if that's like something you've like thought about thinking about her as a musician even at that time
2: yeah yeah I think about that a lot I mean in terms of like the way the music industry is structured now and um and like my own mortality and uh <laughs> you know i mean i'm i'm 29 so i'm basically dead right i mean like <laughs> in terms of now like you know there's no uh i mean the the music industry really preys on young people i think and um, you know that window of being like 17 to 21 or something like that's
0: yeah. really and like, i've been i've been dead for a few years so right i mean <laughs>
2: you know just wash the fuck up but um yeah it is it's i noticed that too about her kind of you know getting her start later um in life and i don't know enough about like the ages of you know kind of popular musicians of that time to know whether that was commonplace or whether it was but i I get the sense that it was more more so than now um that there was a you know it it wasn't so relegated to this this window of like you know you're shining beacon of youth and just um but yeah i don't know
0: but it's It's also weird for me to think that like i almost can't imagine someone being uh like 20 years old and writing this kind of music yeah it's not that it's it's, like impossible but
2: right it's funny too because it's like you know like sort of adjacent to some of the stuff that's happening now, like the sort of like mellow singer songwritery kind of stuff, but it's there's something different about it. And I wonder if maybe that's it. Like it's a certain, like you know, something you could attribute to like the age gap or like the um, yeah, it does feel like like old kind of. And <laughs> like the yeah. album sounds it does sound like of its time, like you're saying, but I think it also sounds like you know, old in a way that. Uh, that it, you know, it's sort of, uh, conjures this image of, like, the...
0: Well, that's, that's where it kind of also makes me think of, like, a thing, like, um, like, like I was mentioning, like, alt country or, like, Americana artists, like, they seem to, you seem to see more people kind of aging into it, um, because it's, it's almost like a novelist kind of thing. It's, like, it's, like, sometimes when I, like, think about writing, um you know, it's like, feels like something you should be doing, like, as you get more gray hairs, you know, <laughs> in a sense, like, it's like, something you have to have, a. you just have to have a lived experience, like, there feels to be a lived in quality to this record, that if someone that was 20 years old, made me feel like they had it, they would also be an amazing <laughs> musician, because it's like, there's a lot of times where it's like, where if I hear a younger artist that's doing more, um, we'll say Americana type stuff, like I'm like, I don't know if I believe you. Like I look at your face and I'm, I just don't, I don't see these stories. It's like they're writing stories about people that aren't them. Are there, they haven't had enough lived experience to sort of like place, you know, write about the stories that they've seen other people live. And so you know, I, I guess I think about that as like someone who's written lyrics and someone that is like, as having an English major and, you know, thinking about things and being a fake writer for my whole life, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, there's definitely like, I, I definitely have that um instinct about, you know, certain kind of, and in that, in that genre too, it's, you know, because it's, sort of lends itself to this voice that's like weathered and like, you know, I've been fucking drinking whiskey and like, you know, crying my eyes out at the, you, you, I don't know, like that kind of like sad guy at the bar thing. And, and if you're like the sad guy at the bar at 20, like you can't even go to the bar, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, you, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, uh, but then I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to read too much into people's experience from the music, I think, and and they're, you know, and then I guess there's, but then, I think it it cuts both ways. I guess there's like artists who are older, who try to invoke that kind of like, you know, uh, I just broke up with my partner and snuck out of my mom's house kind of feeling and then like, come on now, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, well, you said, you know, cuts both ways and I'm not sure if you meant So I was about to kind of agree with that and kind of expound on it it in a different way Um, or maybe the same way as what you meant. Um, So, you know, sometimes with, with where we were saying like, you know, it's like essentially you feel like you're kind of dead by the time you turn 29 in terms of music. Um, And I I know what that feels like. Um, But, you know, it also feels like on the inverse though, I'm kind of catching myself saying that it's like you know the ageism of it you know potentially works both ways where i'm essentially saying that i don't know if someone that's 19 you know or 20 you know has a lived experience and that seems to be negating you know i guess i'm basically like kind of calling myself out on it you know it, it feels like i try and catch myself on that and feel like it's like well someone could have had enough experience that is interesting or just be a good and interesting enough writer regardless of you know their age but you know i wonder i wonder like it's like if nina nastasia isn't around as much now based on any of that like is it is it sort of an industry ageism or is it just simply she did what she wanted to do artistically for the time being you know
2: yeah yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I think um, I, I get what you're saying about this album feeling like it's, um, you know, has a certain kind of maturity. Um, but I think the songs. I mean, I, I can't. It's not always clear to me what they're about, but they feel like honest to me in a way that they're sort of Like about ordinary things, you know, like, and they're not. It's not like this. these like grandiose like um You know, I I don't mean to pick on people boy Towns Van Sant, but um, you know, like I'm 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 drinking no I'm dead or like you know whatever the song yeah. you know yeah, like I mean not-
0: he's like he's I think he's actually someone that uh, I I like I I love Towns Van Zandt, and I I understand but it's also like if someone were if I were to say that same thing that I was saying, like, Oh, I don't, I want someone to feel like they had a lived in experience. And then I go, you know, like towns van Zandt. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it's like, if I didn't have enough, you know, kind of self-awareness to realize that towns van Zandt was basically doing the same thing. Like, it's like, he didn't really have to be where he was in a lot of cases. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's like what you meant. He is like a, he is like a funny story of that like it's like you know and I guess you probably know like his backstory like he's of really well he's like he's of I don't know if they were billionaires but it's like he's from an oil family and essentially like he chose to essentially for whatever reason just kind of grab his guitar and have a book bag and just not be a part of it so like in like the documentary I think it's called uh, Heartworn Highways like he like lives in a trailer but now looking back at it I'm like I don't think he had to he just wanted to Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so then it's kind of like the things that he wrote about was that actually his life or it's sort of just and but yeah so I mean I don't know you know it's like so I don't know like what situations were her own she's writing about I don't think she's like she's not like crafting like like almost like a image of a town per se like and you know it's like it's like an interpersonal relationship that you know so so it's smaller kind of stories that could be true to anyone you know right
2: right yeah yeah yeah, like that last song um just seems to be about like uh it's it's almost like really unglamorous you know it's it's like about a relationship that you know the I guess it seems like the whoever it's the speaker is is telling the other person in the relationship just like stop trying to like shoot for the moon and do all this crazy stuff and like let's just settle you know let's just like you know um we have this thing and that's all there is right that's like the yeah kind of crux of the song and it's it's really got in a way it's sort of sad like it's like you know what's the line uh my dreams have come and gone the world is getting smaller each day like it's like you know it feels really true like to that kind of process of aging out of hope in some, in some yeah. way but um you know and yeah and like a smaller thing that's that's that could be relatable to.
0: yeah i mean i think like even me thinking about you saying that or the song saying that um, you can kind of start going mentally, kind of like wherever you're at with that, right? Know? That's true. You know, and that's like where you kind of mention, like, I feel like w- when when emo kind of hits that point, like that's that's what it can do as well. You know, like it's 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 just raw emotion. But you know, it it kind of also makes it it kind of brings me back to like the whole um, conversation part of you know like kind of getting older in music too you know it's kind of like well to me i would say it's like well maybe you should be okay with like where you where your status is and accept it but in a positive sense but someone else could also look at the song and say it's like accepting as like almost a form of death right like sad right. i guess is what well. You know, but that, that saddling doesn't really have to be, I guess this is where the podcast just becomes our therapy together. Um, <laughs> it's like that settling could be like knowing where your place is and making like the best use of it. I'm really happy that you even brought it to my attention because I feel like it like opens up something that I haven't either researched or just, I mean, I feel like I could probably listen to this record for the rest of my life. You know, like it's it's something that I would go back to. I'm so glad. Know? And yeah. so I appreciate it a lot.
2: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Yeah. And um, I guess just uh, where can people find you at online if you do that thing? Um, on Bandcamp. It's
2: Mr.Goblin.bandcamp.com. Um, I think I'm on, I'm on Instagram as well, um, Facebook. Twitter and uh, they, we have uh, physical copies of the record or the, you know, we have CDs and tapes of our newest record through Exploding and Sound records they have on their store.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. And are you, you're working on new Mr. Goblin material?
2: Yeah, I'm hoping to. um, the plan is to do, you know, get tested and go do this studio, studio deal in, uh, when I move. Um, So if that all works out, then hopefully I'll have some new stuff maybe next year or whenever. Yeah. But that's the plan at the moment.
1: Are you vegan or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? Then you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdeliver.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it.
0: Welcome back. You made it safely to the end of another episode of Spinning Out. Thanks to Sam for taking the time to chat with us. Also check out Mr. Goblin and 2-inch astronaut. All right, so next week on the pod, we are talking with Warren Franklin of Warren Franklin and the Founding Fathers and also of the band Joie de Not sure if I pronounced that correctly. We'll try that again. So it's the Rockford, Illinois, long-running emo band Joie de Pretty close. I'm pretty proud of myself. We're talking about Kate Bush's 1985 album, Hounds of Love. Had a lot of fun talking with Warren Franklin. So yeah, moving on to other kind of business in the back end. Thank you so much to everyone who checked out this podcast so far. It would mean a lot if you you know, rate, review, and subscribe. And to share this with a friend. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Spinning Out Pod. And also thanks to Sarah Blumenthal for... Editing and producing the pod. Thanks to everyone that's helping make this thing keep going. So, on that note, hit the theme.